been with you for 24 hours, Mac, and yeah, I yeah. can't <laughs> just fucking go. Yeah, so we're rolling. Wait, let me um, ask you. Let me ask. Is there anything that I shouldn't bring up that I might know about you? You shouldn't bring up that you might. No, I'm. I'm. I think we're both open books. Yeah. Yeah. Are we're we? Good. Okay. Don't talk about the one time in high school that I shit my pants. I. But. That was how I was gonna open. <sighs> Well, it's all out. It's all out. Yeah, we're live streaming this. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's recorded on some database somewhere. Um, My phone's listening. I'm gonna get yeah. shit your pants <laughs> cleaner. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna get an ad for diapers. <laughs> it's like, uh, get your diapers yeah, with, uh, with your name on them. Are you Dick? 35 and shitting your pants? <laughs> <laughs> We've got the product for you. Uh, that sounds great thank you it is uh it's 10 14 on a thursday night in uh what month is this it's in march march and uh we haven't seen each other prior to yesterday was, yesterday was the first time that you and i had seen each other in <laughs> like two decades yeah no, I, maybe not that maybe 15 years end yeah. of high school maybe yeah i 16 17 so that's yeah like 34 so if we yeah. do some casual math, that's 18 years. I'm not, I'm not a math guy. Uh, yeah. 53. I'm not a math yeah. guy. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess for anyone who chooses to listen to this, uh, I'd love to have you introduce yourself and, and uh, yeah, give us the spiel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hi. That's Hi. a good way to start. That's how most people start things. Um, my name is Katie Mack. I go mostly by my last name at this, this phase of my life, this juncture. I don't know. Do you are you like Dave, David? Uh, yeah, I, I think I go by Dave typically. Yeah. Most people call me Dave. I feel like we always called you Kavanaugh. Yeah, we we being uh, you and me and all the people <laughs> that talked about you in high school. Maybe. Yeah, I guess all of high school is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, all the whole <laughs> high school called. Oh yeah, Kavanaugh. Uh, I guess I didn't ever thought about it. Yeah, because yeah. I guess there's a lot of Katies and there's a lot of. David's yeah especially yeah and then yeah and um at this point in my life I am a I, I it's try it, you know it's it's important to title yourself so you can feel like you can do this concisely if you're ever like on a podcast but it's not working <laughs> right now but um I guess I'm a creator um and then I was just hanging out with a girlfriend and we were talking about the the term creator and we came up with maker I'm a maker because creator has a little bit of um a bit of like religious vibes mm. i'm a fucking god yeah, so, um yeah so i'm a maker like i'll take some things to make stories so over the course of the 18 years we haven't seen each other i've found this path of um being a performer and that has been only mildly satisfying and then there's always this there's like ah, if you're if there's any creative people out there you're gonna hear like a mentor or a teacher or like a master class that you get advertised to on youtube or instagram that's like everybody has a story like what's your story <laughs> everybody ha you have a story to tell <laughs> and i was like yeah i like think i like have some things i need to say and so over the course of living my life and having it not necessarily be full of joy um and i've been wildly angry about some things which you don't need to do to tell good stories. You don't need to like have a shitty life. Mm. But I've, I've started to make a lot of my own things. And I think, especially during this, after this summer and this year, you're just 
but even more so when you get around the right people who sort of point things out to you, you become acutely aware that the same stories are being told over and over and over again. And so I started telling different stories that I think are from a different perspective and a different lens and had started with my own personal whatever's like shit. I used to tell at a bar like, Oh, you're never going to believe this to like a crafting story. That's sort of like, you know, has the ultimate agenda of, you know, something we'll talk about later, but, um, hoping they'll realize their struggles with drugs and alcohol like so there's all different types of things and so you know i'll though i can't draw to save my life that is the talent you've stolen from me i believe (laughs) i took it right out of your hands yeah yeah it happened in in middle school neither one of us neither one of us realized it yeah (laughs) but yeah i snatched it right from under your nose i feel like this is gone um (laughs) i i will like do multimedia mixed media stuff um and i'll do any sort of visual art form so uh performance solo performance podcasting short films i'm just i love making instagram videos yeah i don't do tiktok yet we get there that's art right i think so i yeah. saw it's People real good certainly consume it in the same way that they do art uh, from what i understand um but yeah that's 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 how i would describe myself and then I've uh, been living in New York City for nine years, and where we are in this moment is I'm currently on a heartbreak tour. I'm tour. I've never. I don't travel because I'm. I'm always like, why would I travel when I can be making stuff in my tiny closet apartment in New York City? And so, right. on the heartbreak living, living tour, life. yeah. Why would I want? Why do I want to be living life when well, I can be when living life be, in my closet? You could be. In the storage room of this huge house out in the woods. Right now, we are recording in the basement storage room, which is uh, seconds as a, a $35 a night Airbnb. It's the nicest room, place I've ever with been With a blow-up mattress. Uh, a blow-up mattress in the corner with a nice lamp and um, Dried a spider plant and some flowers and some art up and surrounded by boxes. <laughs> and so right now, Katie and I are sitting. It's the quietest place in the house. And we're sitting in... Um, the mic is sitting on top of a, a craftsman, a red craftsman toolbox. Rather precariously, if I can say uh, that. If it falls, I'm not surprised. We're si- <laughs> we're we're uh, perched upon office chairs. These that, chairs are nice. Um, yeah, this is actually pretty comfortable. <laughs> um, there's a there's some coolers. I see some some old artwork. There's like random uh, comic book piles. I mean, there's some old. Uh, you could drum- get stuck I mean, in here and be entertained yeah, for years. Right. Yeah. We could. You could work out. You yeah, can, we could definitely uh, have like a a, a play. We could do all, a whole play we could do in a here. Whole play, yeah. Well, gotta <laughs> um, go, guys. I got I got some plays to make in this year's storage room. <laughs> so uh, yeah, before we get into um, a little bit of a deeper, like where you're coming from, uh, the, like what brought you on this trip. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe that is a good place to start. Is like. How how it is that you came to arrive here at this moment, uh, sitting on uh, in this storage room talking about this, and uh, yeah, d- uh, just for a little bit of uh, information, Katie, uh, Katie and I just spent the last two days hanging out and uh, went up today and did a tattoo for her, which um, I will. Uh, I don't even know. If, I mean, I guess I could share it with this post that I. Oh, put well. up. well, I'll find a way to. Put it on. Yeah, well, I'm going to promote all my stuff, including my exciting Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah. at Macker's NYC, which I will post. Yeah. The, the, yeah. 
it's fine. You yeah, we'll follow find me. Where, follow yeah, me. The social follow social media and all the all the different moving pieces is not always my my forte. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we did a, a really fun and uh, very meaningful tattoo. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I'll, we can talk about the meaning of it, but the thing. So I have many tattoos. I got my first tattoo when Dave was in my life when I was sixteen, and that was actually one of my first meaningful tattoos. Right after Zach died, oh, after Zach got killed. So. Yeah. Died, got killed. Anyway, um, and then me and Brandon and Anthony all got matching tattoos with the Egyptian, or not Egyptian, with the Japanese word loyalty mm. on it. Yeah, that's what Where happens when you're 16. Where is it? Is well, it, it was up? on my hip, yeah. and then it's been covered up with a, an orange rose, because orange was Zach's favorite color. Mm-hmm. And then I still have his birth and death dates, and you can still see it a little bit. All my cover-up tattoos, I, I don't want them to be covered up entirely. I like the idea of them sort of being like messy and weird. Yeah. I, I will never, that was like a, when Zach died, that was uh, in, in retrospect, years, like years of looking back and examining my life, that was like a really pivotal moment for me uh, in a couple ways, because I think we were sophomores in high school. Yeah. This kid, Zach Miller, I, I met him, my first time meeting him was maybe eighth grade playing junior football yeah and he was a beast he was so <laughs> like, athletic but he was, he was a, a wi- man he was a wild child and he was also a man though like yeah. he was built like a man he, uh, as Sal- an eighth grader Salvad- uh, where was he from el salvador yeah el salvador yeah that's what been, i remember him and his brother had been adopted uh by this family here and he was very up, attractive and, and he was a good looking just caramel skin beautiful human great but smile like, just some serious restlessness and, and that's why we and, became friends. And, uh, yeah, sophomore year of high school, I remember the last time I saw him was under the arch at our high school. And he had been he had skipped for, like, a while. And uh, I remember seeing him in between classes, and, and he's like, I, I knew that he had, like, run away from home again, which yeah. it wasn't unusual. Uh, talked to him for a minute, and he's like, oh, I'm good, man, I'm good. And I was like, okay, well, you know, take care of yourself. And the next thing was, I think the following week, it was a couple of days later, I remember getting called out of my class, whatever class it was, and that brought down the office along with one other person. They're like, Zach Miller died. He fell off of a parking structure. And I was like, what? And they're like, okay, so that, that's the information. Now who else needs to come down here? And I was like, what do you mean? You just told me that this kid died and you want me to like, and then they put me in charge of like thinking about who needed to come down and then people came down and so the counselors and me were trying to like let other high school kids know about what had happened and so i was did you get i was put into this this role of like i didn't know that yeah and so it was like my that was like one of my first like intimate encounters with death so the story was from my understanding uh zach had run away from home and he had been gone for a couple days and he was downtown ann arbor and he stole some woman's purse uh and took off without realizing that the guy that she was with was like a, a runner. And so this guy chased him well hollering and they got the, like the police and they ended up cornering him in this parking structure and he ran all the way up to the top and the police officer had a confrontation with him at near the top. And the details are pretty shady, but the, apparently he lowered himself off the edge and tried to drop and, and, they say maybe he was trying to pull some like action movie stunt where he dropped to a lower level, but 
There's also a possibility she sprayed him with pepper spray. That's the version of the story I know. Uh, but he fell one way or another. He fell four or five stories I into an six, alleyway. Six stories in Chino. And died. So yeah. my version of the story is this. So that same day that you got called in, I met. I went to Community High School, mm -hmm. which is the alternative school in Ann Arbor. And Dave went to the big, the big. You know, what's your graduating class like? Twelve hundred. No, I think 800. 800. Yeah. yeah, my graduating class was 120. So Yeah. Yeah, not even that. It was a big school. I mean, I think it was 2,500 kids Yeah. when I was going there. It was a big school. Giant school. And um, so somewhere in the mix, you probably said Nina or Danielle or Brandon or anybody, yeah. you know. And they pulled me out of class, and I had just smoked weed at lunch. So I was like, fuck, I'm getting pulled out of class, like, there's just a little bit of weed. Like, I'm not even that high. Like, ugh. Right. And I was so, like, I was just like, ugh, I'm going to get in trouble again. Because I was always getting in trouble. And I was in, I was good friends with Zach. And we did a lot of fun things, amazing things together. And uh, my counselor sat me. We, we had these little ledges. It's a three-story school. Three-story school, yeah. Something like that. And um, you could sit in the, there was like the, a ledge. Um, where you could sit down, he sat me down, and I'm like ready for him to be like, "Are you high?" And me to be like, "Yeah," because <laughs> I like don't know how to lie. And um, he said, "Are you friends with Zach Miller?" I said, "Oh yeah, that's like that's like one of my best friends. Like I yeah. fucking love that guy." And he goes, "Well, it turns out you know he fell from a a parking structure. He was he was up on he was up on top of a six story parking structure and and he and." He stole a purse. Or he kind of tells me a software to this right, and and, um, and he he felt he fell off of it, and my, and you know just grief is such a weird thing. I, I remember the first thing I said was, was he's okay, right? Right. Like just like your first thing. And I yeah, was like, he's, he's okay. Yeah, he's yeah. fine. Right. Well, it's because also Zach had jumped off trains before. Yeah, he's a wild child. Zach and I, Zach Zach taught me how to drive a car, from some other we don't know whose car it was. Yeah. And he, ta I mean, Zach taught me everything I knew to be a functioning adult. <laughs> um, yeah, Zach would climb up onto my roof almost, <laughs> almost every night. And um, that's probably not true, but a lot of nights. Yeah. And um, all, Anthony could climb up onto my roof and Colin, everybody could climb <laughs> up to my roof. And oh, my, my mother had bought me a, had bought me a, my own phone line because the phone would be ringing all the time and I just was always Dri on the phone. Driving her crazy, yeah. Yeah, so she got me my own phone line and then I knew how to silence it so it could mm -hmm. just be like a little thing, like a little, little ring. Yeah. And so then I, I don't know if I ever slept all of middle school and all of, all of high school, I don't know if I ever slept. Um, but then I remember him saying, he's dead and I, and I, I don't know, I remember just like, again, this, like, just this thing of just, I lost all control of my limbs. And, like, next thing I remember, I was watching Danielle cry underneath the arch of Huron High School and thinking she has the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. Mm. And then we drove, then my mother, I think this is a real, I think this is really what happened, I don't know. But then my mother drove me, Danielle, Brandon and Anthony and somebody else. We had like a packed car to Chelsea to go tell Colin. Mm. And Colin was just so excited to see all of us because he had moved away. 
that I don't know how, like he kind of took it in a really weird way. He was like, oh, hmm. wow, that's like sad. And then he's kind of like, you guys want to come up and see my room? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that age, it's just like to, to experience something like that. I mean, I guess we're privileged in some ways that we, that was the first touch for many of us with an, like an intimate death. Yeah, for um, sure. Compared to, you know, someone living in like a war zone or something where they, oh, they yeah. whole families. Or just family living in a, yeah. where anything like that is or, normal. Or just, yeah, a different part of the, yeah. But yeah, that was, I, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Isn't it? it yeah, I, when we spoke on the phone uh, prior to you coming down here, I was like, it's so crazy, man. It's been like lifetimes since we've seen it's like yeah, you multiple said that. multiple lovers, like moves, careers, like ideas of who we are and what we're gonna be. It's like we're we've there's just so much to catch up on. It's so real. And so yeah, I'm I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, Yeah, we said it's gonna cut off an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this might have to be like a multiple parter because uh, I mean like, we can do re- we can do remote recording yes. so we could do like a multiple, met catch up uh, like, <laughs> yeah. like you want to hear uh, there's two just so old much. friends catch up well and that's the, it and the thing is like we've spent the last you got in yeah you came into the shop yesterday last night. driving from Nashville yeah. and uh, we've been hanging out since then I mean like we've we've driven in the car together and it's like it's been kind of a constant stream of back and forth and it's like there's no shortage of of things to talk about like we have just I have so many questions so much for you about your life philosophical understandings that we've come to and experiences that we've had and like yeah well it's also it's 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 like right if if life was going well for me and i and i should like put an asterisk by that because it, it like is in a lot of ways but if life was going well then i'd wouldn't need to be churning over these big life questions. I think I always have. My mother always said to me, you know, that you would be happiest sitting around like a campfire with a bunch of wine and all of your friends. Like that, that is like my idea. It's and like talking, little, it's of like course. a version of heaven. Yeah, it's right? Like a, yeah, little, Which I, I don't think is that particularly unique, but I mean like creme de la creme, like that's what heaven, that is what heaven is like. Yeah. Like it's not a nice car. It's not like, you know, of, of course there's like levels of, you know, having a shelter and, you know, having something to leave or go to when you leave the fire pit. But it's not, it's not being alone with a lover. It's not being alone in the woods. It's it like, that is my favorite thing in the world to like sit around yeah. and chew on stuff. And I don't, I, I wish I like liked it even more that then I would like read philosophical books or like go down like self-help pathways. But really, I just want to sit around and talk with other people. Yeah. That's why I, I don't know. Chew just on stuff. from the last yeah, two days, day and a half. It, I think you you don't need to do. A, I mean, I'm sure you can always learn more, but just from having conversations with people, it comes up enough, and you're learning constantly, like from conversation. And like, that's the way I best receive it. Yeah, L- like reading, you say something, reading, and it hits me in a way that is going to be different than somebody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, tell us uh, whatever you feel is pertinent as to how it is that you arrived here from New York, having spent ten, nine years in New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I never I never was it. So I'm one of the few people that on my current dating profile, it doesn't say anything about wine or traveling, which is something I've said before. I'm not interested in traveling, and I'm not interested in seeing the world, and that is probably more based in fear than anything else. Mm-hmm. So I always knew... 
I wanted to move to New York City, and I also knew that I had a terrible drinking problem and had already had two DUIs, and so I could go nowhere where I could where I needed a car. Mm. And I also <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that was like part of how you decided. Quite practical. Yeah, that's <laughs> I want to keep drinking the way I'm drinking, but I can't do that if I'm in a car. So yeah. I'll move to New York, and also I got something called my equity card. So you're like a professional actor at this point, and are you're sort of like you join a union. That's the union. Uh, if you're like into movies, it's SAG, and equity is um, the theater version of that. And um, you can't New York. Most of the the jobs come out of New York um, that are equity. So um, yeah, you want to go where the jobs are. And the thing about the theater is you go to New York to like find regional jobs in the very beginning of your career to find regional jobs to then go to other states, essentially. Um, very few people move to New York City. Nobody moves to New York City and is on Broadway. Most people move to New York City and they're off, 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 off Broadway doing something for a stipend of like a travel, you know, metro card. Um, so yeah, I, I always knew I wanted to go to New York City. It was very simple. It's not even romantic. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like live there. Um, and then like when my drinking took off and this theater thing took off, which is not, was never, I never dreamed as a little kid about what my future would look like. And I still don't, which I find really interesting when people say, I always wanted to, hmm. I don't, I don't have any uh, memories of that. And it, whether or not it's true, but I don't have any memories of being like, I always wanted to, I just knew I'd end up in New York, which is a different thing. Hmm. So yeah, I've been in New York for a chunk of time and I've been doing the hustle and doing the things and learning from people. And I really, really like other human beings that's kind of like my default and I also became a personal trainer and I developed like my own little business and and cut to like um, two years ago almost two years ago I um, met a, a guy I'm like heterosexual white girl so and I'm like relatively cute I'm cute I'm cute right yeah she's sure. cute she's cool. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was on all the dating apps, and I had just broken up with like somebody I'd been dating on again, off again for six years, and I put like all sorts of horrifically sexually ridiculous things on my dating app, just being like, I'm just here to fucking fuck, like I'm just here to like <laughs> sow some oats. I'm 31 years old or 32 years old, and I'm here to like sow. And uh, I did not, I was not interested in meeting anyone or um, having a partner or anything like that. And um, uh. I met this guy on Hinge. It's a pretty good app. I've heard Hinge. Good, I've heard good things. Do you want to sponsor me? Uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, Hinge, you're listening. <laughs> Hinge, designed to be deleted, but put on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I and I uh, defaulted to uh, immediately seeing this person from across the room and like Romeo and Juliet, similar fate. Um, I just knew immediately. But that's just, this is something I want to pick up later. Um, when I fall in love with someone, I know immediately. Like, and it, it's like almost annoying. Like, I remember falling in love with someone in Chicago and literally being like, "Fuck that guy." Ugh. <laughs> and I don't believe in fate, and I don't believe in like I'm not religious. I'm religious in a weird way, but I'm not really religious. And I just remember seeing him, and, it, and then everything about the whole night confirmed it. And immediately, everything about him changed my view of what my future was going to look like. So we've already established that, like. You know, I'm 32. I hadn't really thought about having a kid. And actually, to be completely candid, I met Josh in May, and I hadn't had an abortion in April. Okay. So I, it was like super, super early, and you know, it was like four weeks, not even. Didn't know who the dad was, cause, or let's 
Let's be real. I put it on Hinge. I was so notes. Savage. And, and and with all the drinking and drugging and meeting and whatever, I, I don't know. So I I had what I called the most boring abortion of I've you know, it's, it's called the most boring abortion story ever. It was the most unepic thing ever and it wasn't concerned about it. I you know, had a lot of people turn turn it over with me but I wasn't and then then we did like the pill and it was not painful, it was nothing. And so it, I almost felt nothing about the whole thing and I wrote this article about it and we can tell you where to find it right. Um, but instead of this, instead of the abortion being something like, oh man, and I'm, then I had this horrible experience and, you know, my boyfriend held my hand and whatever. It was just like super quiet. It was like this thing that like happened. Mm. And then I met Josh and, um, I immediately wanted, and, oh, and then my nephew was born Yeah. and that actually cracked me open. And then I met Josh and, and I share all this to say, I started to, to think that I was finally getting closer to being someone that I had seen exhibited in TVs and movies and people that we know. And that's a cute white girl with a cute boyfriend and babies and a family and a house. And I started to become close with his family. And for a year and nine months, I thought, I'm normal. You guys, I'm not messed up. I'm normal and I love being in love with him and I am very much in love with him still and I love love I like who I am when I love him and the pandemic hit and I became domesticated AF (laughs) day three of the pandemic Josh and I got in a fight because I said something like hey um I don't know how this is really gonna work out because I'm always hustling and always doing projects and whatever I don't know how this is gonna work out because when I want to eat, I just eat. Like, I don't, like, wait. You know, I don't know. Like, so what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, like, wait until 5 o'clock when you're done with work to, like, eat dinner? I, like, eat when you eat? And he looked at me and he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, but, like, what if I want to do, like, what if I want to eat breakfast at, like, 3 in the morning because I'm hungry and I don't want to eat breakfast in the morning? He's like, I mean, you don't have to, but, like, this is what people do. They, like, eat together. So for the course of the pandemic, I, like, made dinner with this dude every night and like and I like became more and more and more and more and more normal and then here we go uh November (laughs) yeah right we had gotten in a fight and I had gotten sick and I this is in end of January and um we have very different lives homeboy and I and um basically we got in a fight and I asked him why and his answer was he doesn't see a future with me and that like and so I said okay then you should leave because I can't be around somebody who is questioning my worth for them. And I like have enough worth for that. So we live in a beautiful apartment together in a home that we shared and made and love. And that's now his. And, um, I'm so wrapped up in this idea of this identity that, um, I didn't know what to do. My girlfriend, Corey said, let's go on a road trip. And against everything in my body, I said, sure. (laughs) What? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. That's what you do. This is what you do. I'm like modeling myself after like every version of someone else. Hmm. And then homegirl bailed about three days before the end of the month. And when I was giving the apartment back over to Josh and, and, uh, 
So I did, basically, like, the language I use is, like, whatever my will was, whatever I want to happen with my life is not really in my control. And, because uh, just, like, powers that be that basically are, like, girl, you've been making stupid-ass plans. <laughs> this is not for you. Kevin. Yeah. So Kevin is... <laughs> I'm a 12-step program person. I'm in recovery. I've been in, in and out of recovery for 10 years. I used heroin for a big chunk of time in my life, and it just became acutely aware that I needed to stop. And then um, that shit will fucking kill you. And uh, and it can kill you very accidentally. Yeah. And then, a lot um, of, there's a, a lot of uh, deaths down here. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of drug use stuff down here. Because you don't know what it is, really. Yeah. Like, if the best shit was pure, then you have to, like, dose it properly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and we grew up in the D.A.R.E. program. Like, it's, like, abstain or just abstain. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, talk about, like, drug, cap- yeah. drug awareness, resistance, and education. God, you're so good at acronyms. Yeah, D.A.R.E. <laughs> I was trying to say that to somebody the other day. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm, it also reminds me of, like, oh, yeah, well, the only option for sex is to abstain. And, like, that's how everybody <laughs> <Okay>. should <laughs> Yeah. Just uh, abstain. <laughs> that's All right. All. I saw something that was like, Dare had me thinking that there's just going to be random people offering me drugs <laughs> all the time as an adult, <laughs> and I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm, I'm really waiting. Please yeah. come to me. So in a 12-step program, your first step is admitting that you're powerless, and the second step is to turn your camel well over to a, a, a higher power. Um, they call it God. And I'm not religious, and, and I, I needed to come to terms with this. I wanted to get better sooner, so I sort of forced this idea at one point when I was trying to get sober um, about someone that could care more about me than myself, someone that had my best interest at heart, and someone that I, like, wouldn't hate um, or, like, wouldn't wouldn't be so great. Like, it couldn't be so great because I'd be like, why is this person paying attention to me? Why is this thing paying attention to me? So me and my friend Michael, we came up with this koala, like a cartoon koala that would sit and lurk in corners and, like, I'd look up at it, and it'd look back down at me, and I'd be like, should I sleep with this dude? And it would be like, just like shake his head, like, yeah. <laughs> Chewing on some bamboo shoots. Yeah. Like, nah, nah, Katie. Probably not a good idea. And Kevin doesn't really speak. He yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> just, just nonverbal. No. No. He's not judgmental either. He's just kind of like, no. <laughs> or he's like sitting at the table, or like, He's like, I like go to, you know, I'm shit faced. I get in the car and I like go to put my my foot on the gas pedal, and he's just like, Do you wanna? Is this for real? Yeah. So that stuck with me. That was the only, that was the closest thing I could like get to because I couldn't imagine somebody caring about me in a way that was like beautiful and pure. Somebody having my best interest at heart because I didn't know what it meant to have my best interest at heart. So that's Kevin, and I believe that um, because it's easier to believe. Um, that they're these, these, I'm being pushed in a direction. Like there are signs in the world and no matter how badly I wanted to be with this person and do this thing with this person or no matter how badly I wanted to stay in this apartment and you know, it's either grow or die. And I would have rather died than growed, growed, grown on my own. Good. I would have rather died than grit. And so instead of. (laughs) Instead of dying, Kevin and the and the world and the universe was like, thou must grow it. Yeah. And um, I'm incredibly uncomfortable, and this is not how I would have chosen to spend my time. I rented a car. I haven't driven in ten years. 
And um, and then I was in Nashville because I met somebody doing um, a podcast over this past year called Fucking Sober. It's about the first 90 days of recovery. I've listened to the first episode. It's fucking great. I will be listening to more. Thanks, dude. Definitely check it out. Thanks, dude. It's, it's the the it's it's a it's fun to listen to. It's you almost entirely all you. Yeah, there's kind like of other internal characters. monologue, kind yeah. of like what's going on, along with some really interesting sound effects that like build up the the narrative. And uh, yeah, I listen to it while driving to the shop because I've got a forty minute drive. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting perspective. Thanks, and, dude. Uh, yeah, I look forward to getting back in and hearing what happens next. It gets better um, because I got better at doing the thing, and uh, the show has all musicians who are also in recovery that felt like that had to be the thing like you know podcasts have music and you can at this point go and do a $12 subscription to who's he what's it and instead I was like let me pay sober artists to be a part of this thing and um I met this incredible woman named Katie Burke she is a you guys should look her up she's unreal unreal and she a musician yeah musician she's a, a singer and she plays guitar and she's just very spiritual and wild and open and um she uh um she does she has music on every single episode there's eight episodes of fucking sober anyway she said why don't you come down to nashville and heal for a couple weeks and then uh dave posted his ted talk of him is it about vulnerability what is the title of the how to charge your battery how to charge your battery yeah it's a tedx talk from two years ago a buddy of mine from uh, trader joe's kept bugging me to watch it again because it had been a while. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll watch it, I'll watch it. And I just kept putting it off. He's like, have you watched it yet? And I was like, whatever, yeah, I'll watch it. So I finally watched it, was it two weeks ago? The day that I posted it. Yeah. And it was like, I was there. I fucking, <laughs> I did the whole thing. I, you know, I, I know what was in it. But it's good to re- revisit the things that, I'm really proud of it. You should be. You uh, know what? But I sometimes, actually... like, going back and doing, like, looking at, like, to me, there's, like, a part of me that's, like, kind of feels like it's self-indulgent or like i don't know so i i had some blocks up about it but i went back and watched it i was like that was really i'm really glad because it took me back to that time in my life and like all that i had uh experienced up until doing that and what that talk represented for me and then (coughs) i get to look at where i'm at now in my life and uh you know celebrate that and appreciate that and so yeah i shared it (coughs) well no All dogs just want to hang out with me. So, I have, like, a little bit of a confession for you. So, when you posted it, like, 2018, you posted it? Uh, originally, yeah. yeah. I definitely have had seen it when you first posted it. hmm And I had totally forgotten about it until I watched it again. Right? Okay. It w- I was like, oh, my God. Because when I saw it again, yeah. oh, two weeks ago, I was like, Dave did a TED Talk. That's crazy. He's so cool. I should watch his TED Talk. But I watched it, and I had, had already seen it, and this is something that I want to speak on, which is just when you were like, I think I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Like, I'm not in that place. Mm. So, like, oh, cool, good for him kind of thing. It's, like, weird, like, good for him. Like, yeah. he seems so much happier. It was, like, about you. Yeah. And, like, and, and when I heard your TED Talk two weeks ago from where I'm at, it was, like, I was, like, it was, like, a feeding tube for me like being able to take the next step forward interesting in terms of being like i was like searching for an answer for you and like i just kept getting doses of answers and i 
But you know what? Like, and at that point, right, I'm listening to the whole thing or I'm watching the whole thing, and I didn't know that I'd be reaching out to you, right? Yeah. And um, and it just hit me in such a different way. And it's funny for me to like, my my whole life has been bristling against a lot of these cliches, like like treat yourself or like girl you're worth it or like yeah, like just like enjoy the journey, just just feel into it. Just <laughs> <laughs> lean into this discomfort. You're close. You're almost there, girl. I think. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually have like a vehement anger against <laughs> anytime there's any sort of positivity in the world. It yeah. could be, it could be like, don't worry, be happy, like the most joyful song. And I'm we like, can turn that off. I'm like, we get it. <laughs> We're supposed to be That's happy. Such a, such a New Yorker thing. It is. It, oh my God. <laughs> it's so grumpy. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, we get it. Oh, uh, we, yeah, we, uh, yeah. we're happy. Right. We're you, fucking yeah, happy. Your uh, your rainbow is kind of bright. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like it's, it's like I'm getting a tan. Fuck we this. get it. We get uh, that. Uh, the world's exciting right now. Yeah. So I have no, I have no patience <laughs> for it, and so it's, and but uh, this is what happens when you, when you hurt, hurt so bad, and you hurt so bad, and it's, and you're not sure what you're gonna do next. You listen. It's, I've been doing a lot of listening, and it really cracked me open. And you did it at UNC Asheville, and I was in Nashville, and the names are ridiculously similar. They're real close. And <laughs> so I said, hi, can I come see you? Yeah, you posted it. Uh, I saw kind you. Kind of reflecting, uh, saying the same thing you just said, and that's like, hey, watch this. And not only that, but like, watch what this guy's doing because he's living it. And also, maybe we should connect with that too. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I think, uh, I, think I, I commented or something, and we ended up – talking on like direct message and then yeah. got on a phone call and i was like listen you could i mean you come on out you got a we got a room in the basement <laughs> it's like plenty it's of space uh, the boys would all be happy to have you and uh we could make a you know make a tattoo happen and well also there must be something right like i'm not actually particularly guarded but there must be something like i was not like worried about like let's catch up and see if we're still friendly it was just like yeah i'm coming over yeah <laughs> Cool. Uh, two days from now. Yeah. <laughs> like, hell yeah. And it just ha- it just so happened. It was funny. It, like a, a few minutes before uh, we talked, I was looking at my calendar. And I was like, oh man, Thursday's still open. Like I'm kind of in this cloud of tattoo designs and and things are getting booked right now because everybody's getting those stimulus checks. Like oh, right, right. Get, like people are eager to spend all the money that they just got. This I've been thinking right. about this tattoo for yeah. fucking years, and I just got fourteen hundred dollars. So let's do it all. Like, like, homeboy okay. at the shop today was like he's really excited up about it was it. Yeah. so great yeah part of me is like oh do i tweet this or like, <laughs> yes, yes okay you do <laughs> you're not <laughs> you sure you don't have like some repairs to make on the house or no you want to get attached okay repair it on the inside out we go inside or outside first and then yeah. we go in um yeah but yeah, I happened to have a, an opening on that on, on the day that you were going to be leaving Nashville, yeah. or the day after, and I was like, that we can make it, let's make it happen. And yeah, so now that I'm in motion, I had decided that I was going to stay in motion, and that I'm going to keep moving, um, and trying to have experiences, which is also like great. But I I'm just acutely aware of a couple of things, like one that I'm 34 and I'll be turning 35 very soon, and Two, that I'm very single, and three, that this is not the way that I had short-termly planned my life. Like, I can't say I've been planning it, but, like, for the first time I was planning my life, and and I just don't know what's happening next. And and also, like, any time anybody goes through a breakup, I'm like, oh, that's, like, bad. That's, like, hard. 
rough. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's probably bad. And I'm, and I think my experience is so unique. Like I, I'm like, I started something called breakup content on my Instagram. Where I'm just obsessed with the breakup. Everything reminds me of the breakup. Everything reminds me of him. Where I'm at in my life. Um, please before continue you, the hashtag breakup here, content. Before you got here, uh, I told Rebecca, my partner, about um, about you and like kind of caught her up on where you were at and like the reality that we hadn't seen each other in a long time. And then you posted the video of you sobbing, like <laughs> ugly. Like, no, it was a hashtag normalized ugly crying or something. <laughs> I showed her. I was like, "This is Katie." <laughs> <laughs> so, also if you push sound so on that it's oh wop. i know it's okay, wop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so good. everything you know need yeah. to know about my version of art is like hyper vulnerability like juxtaposed with like yeah. something that is supposed to be funny but only like 20 percent of the people will find it funny oh it was good I, so other people are like yeah. you go girl and i'm like no you guys this is funny like <laughs> i am yeah. sobbing my yeah. eyes out and wops but in the background. It's like it's cut up. It's like multiple versions, <laughs> versions of you crying in different settings. <laughs> Those are just the ones where I was like, I should turn on the camera. Like yeah. this is so awful. Yeah. I wonder what I look like when I'm just, when I can't, when I'm like throw up crying. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not good. And it reminds me of to circle it back to when Zach died, and I remember Danielle crying, and she has the most beautiful blue green eyes. They're like really blue green. And I, Danielle, I'm like, fucking girls are weird. And I love this, I loved this girl. And I, I still care for her very much. But I, in high school, I just was so connected to Danielle. And I just kept being like, God, I hope when I cry, I'm happy. Like, <laughs> you definitely are. I was <laughs> not taking all of her. If you, you want to see it, check out her Instagram. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking a, it down, no matter it's, how it's many a, people ask good, me to. It's a good post. <laughs> it's a solid post. Um, yeah, so I, I have been expressing to Dave basically that my biggest fear from this thing is you know I, I we always wonder how people get to be the way that they are when they're like almost stereotyped like the cat lady or like the person who like you know is, is always volunteering or like but doesn't have their own family or the person who just fucking hates every male or every female or whatever anybody who looks like anybody who has brown hair like whatever fuck um and I'm so afraid that I'm going to become the person that that, 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 like, doesn't heal mm. and then just, like, patches it with hate or something. I don't know. And I, I'm starting to realize, like, oh, that's how this happens. Yeah. Like, this is how this happens. This, like, blind investment that, like, yeah, sure, there are, like, flags along the way. But I just, like, I have a very strong and confused opinion around what it means to be, to- like, toxicity and what's toxicity and what's conflict and then how do we like go around it? And my examples of conflict in my life are only screaming and yelling. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I have a problem with culture in general, just being like, it's toxic, cut it out. Mm. Because I feel like inherently everything will end up being toxic because we all have bad on some, days. On some, yeah, some level. Yeah. Um, I'd love your thoughts on that too. We, we were talking about this in the car ride up today yeah you and gave me this amazing example yeah so the and obviously you know it but yeah no we talked about it, but I, I i love this idea and i talked about it with my therapist this morning in response to some some stuff going on in my family but not just my family in the world and the way that people are interacting with each other and it, uh from uh a 
book called, the, so the same author of the book that wrote The Four Agreements, uh, which I've talked about on previous podcasts, fucking amazing book if you haven't read it, it's really short and it sticks with me to this day. Uh, that author, Don Miguel Ruiz, wrote another book called The Mastery of Love, and in that book, early on, he talks about this idea that if you were to imagine every person on earth walking around with physical wounds representing the emotional wounds that we hold like festering sores on our chest and our, on our, our shoulders and our necks and our faces these things that um, we we were were done to us along our lifetime from various people um, the way that we would respond to someone trying to get intimate or close or or, or being kind to us the way that we we try to protect ourselves and snap back and be like nasty or, or like don't touch sh- that. you know sh- shrivel up and like you know hide because you don't want to have this disgusting infected wound poked right Please we want to we, do, we don't want to hurt anymore but the only way to heal those things is to is to examine them and acknowledge that it's real and like get in there and dig out the the shards of glass or metal or uh, bullet you know the thing that wounded you i imagine mine out. is like a clown car i'm just like pulling yeah i've been looking for that oh yeah. shit like but yeah you got to get in there and you got to clean it out and and like that's really painful to clean yeah. out the infected space and then you, you dig out the infection and then you have to wash it and then uh, expose it to sun and fresh air and then you got to put the salve on and bandage it you got to do and all that before and that's yeah. just like the early starts and oh then you got to allow it to heal and then you have to you have to even once it's it's healed up it's scar tissue <laughs> and so if we imagine when people respond to us in like a really nasty or uh, impulsive or aggressive way recognizing that maybe there's something some deep hurt that that they're protecting well then the question is like let's say that you right you want to do the work and that's in a different context that that's been language we've been given from the summer social justice so much great language from from what's been going on the summer and important language um but like let's say you want to do the work on yourself and check yourself out and look at your physical wounds right in this example um god you it feels like You'd have to do so much work before inviting someone mm. to be close to you. And with that thought, I'm like, I got like, I've been on the planet for 35 years. I got 30 fucking five years of digging like before I even go. So that makes me that that on the drive home from the shop after doing our tattoo, uh, which by the way was not even. D- Dave has a gentle. Sweet, loving, tattoo man hands. <laughs> my, my man hands help. Uh, his loving, I gentle think the, man. S- the size of my hands helps with the tattoo. Whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't even feel like a tattoo. So if for any reason there's somebody listening who is like, I know, like they never want to get one, but I'm scared. Um, or maybe you sound like this. I think I want to get one, but I'm scared. Um, it's the most gentle, easy, careful, loving thing. You won't even notice it. Yeah, come on, come on down to North Carolina. You can sleep in the, the storage room. <laughs> in fact, we'll you do have a to. tattoo. We'll chop some we wood. Chop wood. 
I'll make a smoothie for you in the and morning. And then you do a podcast. Uh, and then we can do a podcast. Yeah. It's it's the life. It's like Oh, this yeah. is a great Airbnb experience. Yeah. Like this <laughs> is what they're so I love this. It's a weekend. But, so a friend of mine uh, shared this podcast, uh, Luke Story, The Lifestylist. It's all about, like, optimizing your life and, and creating the, the life of your dreams. See, I already, um, hate, I already hate it because of the language, but I'm trying. Right, yeah. The Lifestylist uh, has a weird connotation to me, too. But really good stuff. Anyways, I believe you. I he's just talking instantly to this guy, hate he's, it. He's talking to this guy, uh, Kyle Kingsbury, about psychedelics and healing mm. and, like, just so much. And... Um, what what made me think of this? He's talking about this one form of a, a medicine wheel, a Native American medicine wheel, that has to do with the the four directions, and each of the directions having to do with a different season of a life, and each of the seasons representing a different focus in our day to day thing. So north is winter, which rec- represents uh, work and focus and like getting after it. East represents uh the springtime and that's planting new seeds and and like uh sowing or uh uh, uh plowing your fields and like preparing for the the season to come uh south is summertime and that's that's like play and fun the west is uh the fall and that's facing your shadow and like doing work and he says it, whatever you focus on is an infinite wormhole. And so if I you focus that. on so, uh, work, it will it will never end. If you focus on your shadow, it will never end. If you focus on play, you can continue to play. And so the important thing is, like, when you've been working on one of those areas for a while, take a minute and switch directions and go do something else. Plant some seeds or go and fuck off and have some fun for a little bit. Uh. Or go and face your shadow. Maybe you've been having a lot of fun and it's time to actually face your shadow. So remembering that the work never ends. Yes. It's always going to be here. It's always going to go deeper. There's always more healing to do. But taking time to, to switch it up and try something different is, is vital. But this is the thing that I find. So so this is where I like, I can't, like, I hear it. I'm letting it wash over me. I'm trying to learn how to sit in it. If you guys know what sitting and your fucking <laughs> feelings and not talking is. But it's not as effective on a podcast, so I'll talk. And I'll say, <clears throat> yeah, like, I, I, yeah, yeah, I get that. But, like, life, like, general life stuff. But, like, what about finding your person? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. So, like, what happens for me is, like, I can playfully date and, like, enjoy people and, like, honor them and, like, be respectful and communicative. That's great. And, like, in my friendships, I have no problem, like, dumping vulnerability into them. And, like, yeah. and I have, like, and, again, when it comes to this sort of, like, level of, like, uh, canceling people out or cutting out toxicity. Like, when you're my friend, you're my fucking friend forever. Like, you, that's just my rules. Like, I have this weird loyalty. Like, there's no such thing to me as, like, oh, you don't serve me anymore. There's, like, moments where, like, maybe that relationship or this interaction isn't, like, great. But, like, once I just, once you, like, cross the threshold, I've probably tested you in some way. But, like, that's it. You're my, you're my friend. But when it comes to intimate relationships, it feels like everything goes out the window. And the idea of being, like, how, like, when you keep switching directions, you also have to know what direction your partner's going in. Mm-hmm. And, like, it can be, ant- like, you can have, like, different, different, like, you know, when you're, when your partner's, like, in work mode and, like, in winter, you can be, like, great, I'm going to bring the fun. But, like, 
sometimes those things like yeah. butt into each other. It just feels totally. yeah. I always want to go right into like hyper specifics when yeah. I hear these like bigger things. Yeah. Which is hard for me. I mean that that makes me think about um what we had holy shit, that was fifty one minutes. <laughs> this is, so there's the app that I'm using, Anchor cuts off at an hour and we just we just ate up fifty one minutes I'm of sorry. nothing. Oh that's um, crazy. But when we were when we were walking the dogs this morning, uh, that idea that the the brain is a certainty making machine, like that is what our brains are trying to do is fill in all the gaps at all times. And so <laughs> that line of questioning that you're asking is like absolutely a rational, reasonable thing. How many to, times have I shifted positions know. in three minutes? <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. It's like we want to know, you know, what it is that our partner is wanting or uh, when am I going to meet the right person right. Or, or how is it going to play out or, uh, you know, am I going to be able to pay my bills? Am, like whatever it is, our brain is constantly trying to fill in with limited as much uncertainty as possible. And it's just w- once, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know if there are certain well, some of the things like, so some of it is like right like let go of my dad right like brothers and sisters who are from 12-step programs like i can fucking recite like slogans to you like left and right like um you know let go of my god but some of that is like how do you let go of my god and find the wormhole that's going to get you towards the things that you think that you want so about two days after i showed up to nashville i went to a 12-step meeting in person i was so excited it was like outside masks and I was like I'm gonna be in a fucking 12-step meeting in person and the AA meetings are great because you're like with your people there's like war stories and that was like excited to be around like a group of people there was four people at the meeting there was this guy who read a passage that was basically like talking about how there are just some people who like follow the path of like getting better and recovery but for one reason or another don't get to have a traditional family Mm. and then a little bit is like how do you make peace with the things that you didn't know that you wanted that now you can't have. So like, it would be a really bizarre conversation if suddenly I like was like, Jake, I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> I just realized that I realized I wanted to be a doctor. And you're like, yo, you're 35. Like, I guess you still could be a doctor, I guess. So that would be weird. But like, I didn't know I wanted to have a family and a stable partner and like a life that was like maybe more quiet until now it's not so acutely until now it's not an option and then so it's it's like you say it's not an option then what do you mean well like, it, is it not an option it's not the I door mean, closed <coughs> well i don't know if any of you guys are like listening uh <laughs> i'm probably kitty you got brown hair uh, <laughs> <laughs> find me on hinge swipe uh, right uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i uh, don't have a type i'm just curious about that um but yeah, I mean, some of it is like, what if you, what if you focus on something? What if you wormhole on something, mm-hmm. and it's just not for you? How do you reconcile that place? I mean, like again, like it's not over yet, in general. But I, I feel like people feel this way about a lot of things, like about careers and. I don't know, just like deep disappointments. Like, how do how do you deal with I think what you I think you're doing exactly the right thing. You're following this kind of like weird flow of just like. It's very uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable. It's very comfortable.
you're outside of the the big city. You're you're outside of your bubble. Yeah. You're I've never you're, been to Japan. You are in the middle of a serious growth period of people. Ugh. And it's it's so I'm six foot five. <laughs> I didn't stop I, I didn't stop growing. <laughs> I didn't stop oh, growing yes. from when I was uh a pre adolescent from like maybe eight or nine until maybe sophomore year of college. Mm. I, I grew pretty consistent. That's crazy. With bursts of growth. I believe you. You, oh, you, were always, had, you always loomed over me, so I don't know if I you I had noticed. terrible growing pains. Yeah, literally. Like there, there are nights when I was, especially like early on, I remember just laying in bed and just being in so much pain. And uh, I remember like kind of like quietly crying out. I slept in a room with my little brother. Mm. There was a bunk bed. And I remember my mom hearing me on the intercom and coming in and uh, and giving me some like baby Tylenol or something and like massaging my leg because I was in so much pain. But that didn't like the growing pains didn't stop. Like and that's that you're 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 going through like a a maturation growing pain of like this is a painful experience right now. But ultimately I mean you can look at it any way you want. That's what humans have I want to look at it that way. Right. I and just, it's hard to. But what, what I think you are dealing with it in, in one of the most healthy possible ways. Oh, my is God. You pick up and. You guys, I'm being called healthy and normal. You're, you're picking up and you're, you're saying, all right, this, this thing that really is painful just happened. I'm going to go and jump off the deep end and see. Instead of a bridge. See, <laughs> see where, this, was gonna see where this river takes me. And, I mean, look at, the, like, it's, you had a great time in Nashville. I I'm did. sure there's a lot of. Uh, emotion that was, you know, coming out of you, of course. But you, you just got to come and have the last two days here, which I think has been really wonderful. Who fucking knows what the next couple days will hold for us? So, (laughs) you know, Uh. there's there's no certainty. So your brain is like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Because you don't, there's the path that you thought that you were on just, just exploded in, in, the most ridiculous uh, array of like painful fireworks. Mm. You got shrapnel, just all up, <laughs> all up in your face. It went from like beautiful <laughs> fireworks to like, oh no, my bad, my bad. You're like, you got shrapnel face. Yeah. Bro. Oh shit. <laughs> Damn. Look at those fire. Oh no. shit. Oh, she oh, took one in the eye. <laughs> uh, don't go looking for your ear. It's just not there today. Yeah. It's, I, again, like it would be one thing if like I hadn't experienced real grief with like people dying and sad 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 news and at this point in my addiction in my life I've you know had some really jarring you know people to see ripped kind of from the world that I choose to leave in a way that um right I I get to turn over and contemplate and have conversations with them and love them no matter what but um yeah I just this whole thing I I, I want to soak up every piece of advice because, of course, it's not meant to be used. Of course, my experience isn't unique. But I also do wonder if people really do face this feeling or they run away from it. And then as much as I hate it and I'm, like, not doing well, people keep telling me, like, how are you doing? I refuse to answer when I'm doing well, even if I'm okay. I'm like, I'm not good. Yeah. Except when my ex calls me. When he calls me, I'm like, oh, I'm good. 
was like, yeah, I'm good. What's up, bro? I'm good. Uh, you good? Oh, yeah. yeah uh, just over here having a good time. Yeah. Uh, I'm on, like, a crazy oh, adventure. Oh, man. North Carolina is so cool. Oh, man. Wish you could be here, but you're in our home, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I got some shrapnel yeah. in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just. I wonder how other people deal with this kind of stuff, and then I, I do think there's just been many times in my life where I've just been forced to, to deal with the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and so the, the, the journey continues. I mean, you're just... Does it, though? I mean, that's the thing. Always. Like, yeah, it's like, when yes, always, like, I mean, there's all these, like, beautiful pieces and all this stuff, and, like, but what... I think the, the question that I had, and I, would love your perspective on this as well, Nick, is it possible that I just stop growing and that I just end up being like bitter and angry and one hundred percent that's life? always the choice. So like this the this book that I'm reading is called The The Road Less Traveled. It's by Housemate Jackers and it's uh, it's from like the seventies by this psych psychiatrist, psychologist, um, and it has to do with it's it's broken into discipline, love, religion and choice. He defines love as the cultivation of spiritual growth in ourselves and in others. Mm. And so, like, genuine love is a movement of, of growth. And the opposite of love, according to this book, is laziness. It means, like, you're not going to grow. You're stagnant. You're staying in one position in your life because it's comfortable and it's safe. Love means that you expand beyond your pre-existing boundaries. And so if you truly like, if you want to love yourself or if you want to love someone, you want to support them in the expansion of their boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so. What's the other one? What's the other thing? The other, the other, the, yeah. so the discipline is uh, discipline. This one kind of rocked my world a little bit. Uh, it is, uh, he defines it as the practice of experiencing suffering constructively. And so you, if you accept that life is suffering, which is uh, a Buddhist idea, it's like that all of life is going to, there's not all of life, but there's going to be suffering that's inevitable. You're going to be uncomfortable. If you accept that, then discipline is experiencing that suffering in a way that builds you up and moves you in the direction of that which you need to be doing. Oh, that's got to move through you. <laughs> it's got to move. Yeah, it's, it's what it rips right through you. So, yeah, so like discipline oh is, is like su so, so suffering for some people might be waking up at 7 a.m. Mm. and getting up and uh, getting out outside for a run. Um, so experiencing that suffering constructively, using that suffering, that discomfort to build, build yourself up. That's discipline. Yeah. And then growth is, uh, the love is, is, is growth. It's moving towards a, a bigger version of yourself and for other people as well, supporting another individual. Well, what about people who are like addicted to self love and self-growth you know in this culture like bettering themselves right yeah, like the better the best version of myself yeah like the con constantly bettering themselves i that's not my jam don't that's not for me i'm crazy about that 
I mean, I think every everyone has their own taste, and that's why some people just yeah, I'm sure it is a different kind of dish. Yeah, they like, and but 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 like if if someone is uh, so if someone that is adjacent to you and then like next to you is like gets on this like crazy workout like self betterment shit, right? And, and you're like, cool man, like that's uh that's good for you. Hope that works for you. Yeah. Um. If if we truly love that person, mm-hmm. we're like, yeah. get it, you know, like support I, it. I would yeah. l- I would like it if you hung out with me and watched some of this Netflix, but like. If you if you truly love them and want the the best for them, which is gross, yeah, then you let them go get after it. I like, love the definition of loving someone, feeling that intense affection, and having it be in service of joy. Because I think a lot of times, some of the expectations that you get into a relationship and then, well, that's that, right? You did it. You set the tone. You you co-created this culture. You you know you make dinner. I do the laundry. Whatever. Right. And then. When those tables are turned, it can feel very jarring, right? Yeah. It can feel very, you know, even simple stuff like Jackie always looks at. Like, you make dinner, I do laundry. One day, you know, you don't make dinner, and I don't know what to do, right? Yeah. And, right, and those are, like, kind of silly examples, but then how do we facilitate someone's growth, and how do we encourage it? And, like, the example of probably the first step is, like, noticing the desire for growth, that mm-hmm. little seeds. Like, man, I... I would like to go, I think I'd like to become a runner. It's like the things that like people say. Yeah. And then how do you like nudge someone into that direction? I don't think you do. I think, mm. I think what, I think the purest form is to do it yourself. Mm. Not to, not to even concern yourself oh, with what they should be doing or what they're talking about doing. It's sure. literally the best thing that you could possibly do is do the work for yourself mm-hmm. and, and cultivate the things that are important to you because that is love. Yeah. It's the expansion, the spiritual growth for myself. That is love too. And but so where does when it, I where love, is it, so you you invest in yourself. Let's say you've decided you want to be a runner for everything. So you start getting getting up at seven a.m. Mm-hmm. But let's say I had the same. We're lovers in this example. Mm-hmm. We love each other very much. We've been lovers since we were not twelve. Too, not too much. Not too much. And and I say, you know what? I think I want to do that too. And I think I mean it. Mm-hmm. But there's this space between not being able to do it and you being able to do it. And we wake up, wake up every day together. How does one facilitate somebody else's growth? Co-create growth. Mm-hmm. This is where the nitty-gritty gets in. This is where the yeah. spaces in my relationships have to just drop out because 90% of the relationship goes, and I mean the most disgusting way possible, fucking picture perfect. Right. I was thinking about that today. <laughs> but like I felt that way. Picture exploded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those exploding pictures. It was a picture-perfect, exploding picture-frame experience. I, I, I don't – I can't really say. I, I don't know what it is because I think there's only so much that you can do to affect someone else's behavior in that way. So at some point it becomes – When – what happens when we, like, reduce ourselves to becoming a children in some ways? Like, there have been times in my life where I want something, like, I really want something. Even something silly, like I want to call customer service to fix my computer. Mm-hmm. Like I want to call Apple to fix my computer, but like I really, the idea of being on the phone for three hours a day just makes me really anxious, and I can't find the phone number. Right. So like, in this example, I could like be like getting through and building resilience, or you could ding 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 on the computer and find the number for me and hand it to me. 
Now, like, that is a habit maybe is something called codependent, I guess. I don't know if I expect, if I do that and I expect it of you and you always help me. Yeah. But, like, how do we recognize the times in which we're supposed to show up and which we're supposed to back down? It's like, yeah. hey, can I sit and see what feels good? Sit with what feels good to, to be that help, like be that person that kind of, you know, supports. Because it, it's like, that's, that's, that is the beautiful thing about it, actually, is being able to support someone when someone's had a long fucking day. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, you know, you haven't done your laundry yet. Like, I'm, I think it's probably, I love you, so I think it's best for your spiritual growth if I let you do that yourself. Or you can, you know, like, the love language of, like, acts of service of, like, doing it because, like, man, I, I love it when I come home after a day of uh, tattooing and Rebecca or one of my housemates is washing dogs. Like, right mm. now. That's just, it's, it, because I get home and that's, like, one fewer thing that I have to contend with. Like, I have to come home and I have to do that. All right, all right, all right. But this comes from this next thought, which is, for that to work, right, you have to always know exactly what it is that you need. So in my example, it's customer service, right? Yeah. I both simultaneously do want to get it done for myself because I know I'm capable of it. Yeah. Right? But I also don't. Right? I also want to be helped. Yeah. You know, in the same way that, like, I... What... Yeah. What if I'm not clear about exactly what I want in that moment? Like, if we go to dinner mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't know what I want. And you're like, I got you, girl. You're getting a burger. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if you don't do that for me, I might not eat. <laughs> right? Or I might, yeah, I might not eat. Yeah. In this example of this moment, in this time of me being ill. Most days I can go to a restaurant and be like, well, I fucking have prime rib with stones and grapes. <laughs> uh, potatoes, gratin, whatever that is. I want that. I want that. But there are some days in which I'm not clear on what I want that day. And is it, though? Is it, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be okay. But that's how resentment gets built in, in, in relationships. They're like, uh, she can't fucking call customer service, and I know not to help her because I want to fuck in her throat. You're good at this game. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, right, I feel like some of this, so much of this is like, you'll, there's all these like different, so I'm reading a book called Attached right now, and it's like different types of attachment. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, the only time we're in instant avoidance is in instant relationships, is like interrelationship. In, um, every other relationship I'm, or sorry, the only time I'm anxious, attached, anxious, my attachment style is anxious in a relationship after a certain chunk of time after like a year I start to get anxious about it mm. and then with friendships after a year um, I will become avoidant about it mm. and any any other relationship I'm avoidant like I'm not in contact with anyone I'll like a work setting I'll turn my back on or I'll just go do it myself kind of thing so like the idea of like how do we continue to have these like healthy habits and what happens when something goes wrong? I think that's more of it. What happens when something that's co-created starts to go off the rails? 
how do you bring it back? And is it, oh, it's just not right. Which is what the whole health, to be a well-adjusted person in society, you're supposed to recognize that it's not right, and then you're supposed to let it go. Which we've already established. I'm someone, like, once you've made it past the threshold, like, you're in my life forever, I love you forever, I'll fucking do anything for you. But in healthy, well-adjusted people are just supposed to constantly accept, as far as I'm concerned, they're just, like, helping people out towards the end, and then moving on with their lives. But to me, like, when I had that thought, I was, like, so open-minded, so sad. So this idea that we're, like, people again. Where's, like, where's the fucking loyalty? Where's the, you've had a bad year, and I still love you. Mm-hmm. You've had a bad five years, and I still love you. Yeah, so that's the nature of the, the, the commitment thing, I think, is that it's, like, you just take the ride or you don't. doing this we're gonna we're gonna hang in there but i think our generation has been tainted by too many parents who either have remained in relationships that are super unhealthy because they're like well we're married we're gonna stay in it and they're fucking miserable or parents that had divorces i love that i love like i love the commitment of as our as a couple or as a friend who friend who got married um they, they had this conversation like you know when I say I'm gonna love you forever does it really mean forever or not because we're gonna make these vows and he said yeah it means I love you forever and then it's like the drug store where they're like like unless you kill my dog and I feel like that's that could be most of it but there's this thing in our culture of just being like when it doesn't when it doesn't when it doesn't quite look healthy then you just let it go and I I'm so interested in when things start to maybe start to sour, how do we stay there? How do we not let it sour? I don't know. I don't know how you figure it out. Fuck! <laughs> I mean, if you guys are listening a, and you know, let me know. Yeah, pass it on. I mean, that's a fear of mine is like I've I'm, I'm in this really wonderful, loving, it's supportive a wonderful relationship. And it's I'm also scared of the, the reality that the evidence so far has yeah. not been good. Oh, yeah, this, yes, go ahead. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, I, I've, I'm 35. I've been in a handful of relationships and uh, two longer-term relationships. And uh, li- literally none of them have uh, Other than they have no sex? lasted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not currently in one of those relationships. Um, but yeah, Rebecca and I have been together for over a year now. fully a flawed narrative because it's like the Wright brothers crashed every plane <laughs> until they flew. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's oh yeah, so looking at the I, I love the saying the wake does not drive the boat. Mm. Like the, the things that happened before do not necessarily affect what's going to happen now. But as humans that's what we do. We're like we're we're scientists now. We're like evolution. Yeah. We, we base our experiences and our thoughts and things that affect us in our lives based on where we've placed ourselves and it's scary it's it's a scary thing to uh to continue down this path of a of a a committed relationship because you you continue to get more and better and better and then you're back to like oh my god what did i do to myself yes when when am i gonna freak out and and need to check and run and is that something i relate to is it is it check and run is it (laughs) 
tucking your butt under your right. <laughs> like a, I'm like a uh, armadillo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a big skinny white armadillo <laughs> that like balls up and like rolls out of the house. Yeah, um, I guess you tucked and run. Yeah. Run. Yeah. yeah, and so and 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 fuck, I mean, that's that's why I continue to try to learn. It's it's because I'm I'm trying. I'm like going to therapy. I'm trying to I'm trying to get better and get a better understanding of who I am and the inner being in relationship with not only the record but the memory of myself. So like the past self just encouraged you and made the future self more present, more urgent, not in a hold on to it. Which is in a, I'm gonna care for it by getting to know myself more actively. Yeah, and I think that that's early on in our relationship. I think that's what we talked about. Like, just trying to be our best and love each other as much as we can and mm-hmm. understand each other as we are right now. Because we don't know how it's gonna turn out, but as long as we try to do our best and lead in love. But it's hard. It's like that's because it's scary to be that potentiality of reality it's a potentiality and it's it's scary but i think my phone is dying yeah and we're my, over I'm dying. over an hour we're all dying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, speaking of which i gotta give you a sticker that i made uh that i think you'll really like it's um, killer yeah i haven't had you yet but i think to wrap this up in a nice bow um your tattoo is of a little koala look uh not even looking up he doesn't even have eyes Koala, Kevin, uh, and a red balloon floating away. Yeah. And, there you go. Um, I think that that is a big part of what I have as a tattoo is mm. is each every day waking up and kind of letting go of what that that certainty making machine that is our brain wants to understand what is waiting on the other side of tomorrow has for us and every day letting that go. Yeah. And instead just being the koala. Loving unconditionally. Loving as big as, as like, as much as you possibly can with all your stars. And doing your best to, like, clean up, clean up your wounds. Like my tattoo. Clean up bleeding on people. (laughs) 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 Or snapping at people. But, and there's, I mean, this is such a complicated existence in so many ways. I I get lost in so many details. I'm like, I'm probably going to be grateful that I haven't given it up yet. I know most thing I'm grateful for is that when I die and I'm buried somewhere, I have a tattoo of my grave on my chest. You know, every time. At least one. Yeah, at least one. At least one. It's not many. It's not many. So I think that's it. Actually, it's wildly. I never thought about tattoos that way until I just kind of said it. Oh, I have this little little memory of my grave. And what is it? It's been. It's we're. We're connected. Even even more so than ever. Like umbilical cord. Rose. Rose. Energetic, <laughs> energetic umbilical cords. <laughs> Just humans. Don't cut it. It's even weirder than the, the womb metaphor. <laughs> Just humans are walking around like strands of fleshy. <laughs> like one umbilical cord stretched across the country. But um, and this is also stuff to where like you know do this stuff and record our ridiculous thoughts in perpetuity and and eulogy will like have some cool bits from this podcast on there that are. <laughs> 
see a lot about your dad. I do. <laughs> it's because it's because in Coming to America too, he does a living eulogy. Okay. And I want that. Mm. I want a living eulogy. And I want to see him again. Yeah. I want to see you, his you do you do like uh one off shows for him like uh acting classes. Why not? Yeah, cuz I really That'd be cool. I do living eulogies for him and my family a lot. That's cool. Coming out in May. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, uh, an interesting story we have about that's oh, really interesting, but I didn't actually tell you that it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was at the circus. There was a circus tour. And I was writing two eulogies, one for a life uh, of kind of complacency. I was like, I would write a eulogy for like what happened to me for a while as a kid. And then one for like religion, for like life to the fucking fullest. I don't even know what that means. This that's a separate podcast. What does it mean to live your life to the full? I'm angry now. I went from being sad to being instantly angry. Vibrationally, anger is a, a higher emotion than sadness. I'm so always angry. Are you? Are you? You're oh, that's oh, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm doing better. Uh, on the scale, vibrational scale, you're vibrating higher when you're angry. I'm than doing a great job. Yeah, you're killing it. <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, we just went an hour and twenty minutes, and it felt like a no time. We'll have to do it again, maybe remotely. Maybe swing back through Asheville. Yeah. Do a face tattoo. We'll we'll check in. Fuck yeah. <laughs> we'll check in. I want a tattoo of my face. I want a face tattoo of my face. Like, not even a face tattoo. Um, we'll check in in, like, a month or two, and we'll see what the conversation is like. I don't want – I can't say – I don't want you to be wrong. I want you to be right. I'm so yeah. scared that, like, you'll be wrong about this. Happy you're here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Slap.